0: Hey moms, are you a tired mom? Do you feel swallowed up in the endlessness of motherhood? Dishes, laundry, kids fighting, planning activities, making meals, cleaning up messes, wiping bums, teaching your children to just be decent human beings? This is a mom's search for meaning where I'll dive into topics like if you've ever plotted your own demise, you're not alone motherhood is a shit show full of ups and downs and pressures and expectations and judgment from all around it's no wonder you're depressed and feel like you're failing this podcast is for you moms who are stuck in this gap of wanting to be like other incredible moms who limit screen time feed their kids healthy foods and have an organized schedule but you can't seem to get out of bed it's all a little too much and you'd rather hide under the covers just a little bit longer We'll discuss how you're not alone, interview moms who have picked themselves up off the floor, and have some good laughs along the way. Welcome to A Mom's Search for Meaning. I'm Erica York, and I'm your host. Hi, welcome back. Today's episode is called What the New Mom in Your Life Needs and What She Absolutely Does Not Need. I feel like this is a really good follow-up from my last episode about my birth story, And so a lot of people may be thinking, well, you know, I talk about these triggers that I had and I left it pretty vague. um, And maybe one day I'll get more into detail with that when I feel comfortable enough. And when I don't feel like I'm um, putting anybody else in an awkward position, I don't want to share anything that would make somebody else feel awkward or uncomfortable. Um, But I feel like this episode is kind of a follow up on that. So when a mom has a baby Whether it's their first baby or just a new baby, there's things that she needs and there's things that she doesn't need. And as a society or as a culture, we have kind of created some bad habits where we come and we hang around and we sit on the couch and we just kind of expect new mom to entertain us which is ridiculous, which I'm sure none of us are thinking that, you know, we're all coming with the intention to be helpful. The only reason why we're coming to see the new mom is to be helpful. But sometimes it doesn't turn into helpful. It turns more into entertaining. And that's really, really exhausting for a new mom. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those things that we do that put mom in an awkward position that make it harder for her to recover and can really take a toll on her mental health. And then I'm going to talk about some things that can help a new mom, that can help her feel better, um, that can help her get her mental health recovering faster, and how you can be there to support her. So let's jump right in. I wanted to start talking about the things that help a new mom, but I just really feel like the flow of this should start with the things that we do wrong and (laughs) the ways that we're not helping a new mom. So I think I'll talk about that first and then we'll go into some of the things that you can do to help a new mom or some of the resources, you know, if you're a new mom, some of the things that you may want to look for or prepare in advance or what you can do to help a new mom that, you know, prepare for post birth. So first of all, you know, I had this whole list of all these things that a mom does need simple things, um, like D pins that, you know, those diapers for real, Um, comfy pillows, comfy shirts, sleep, showers, that type of stuff. And so I listed all of these things. And this is, you know, what I wrote down on my outline. And then on the does not part, the only thing I have is entertaining. A new mom does not need to entertain. Yep. That's basically it. She does not need you hanging around. So let's just talk about that. I know that we have this how i don't know how this turned into a habit or a custom where we come and we hang around a new mom she's exhausted her nipples hurt she just wants to be laying down with her baby nursing or sleeping or eating or showering that's it so go away like stop hanging out on the couch all day you're not helping now i'm not saying to not show up and do service that's different so yes come do service do the dishes, clean the bottles, clean up the house, take the older kids out of the house to do something fun, make meals, bring her meals, whatever you have to do. I remember my dad and my stepmom, when they would come, they would always bring me lunch. They would call me and ask, what do you want to eat? And they would bring the kids and I lunch. My husband went back to work. So he was working and they would bring me a lunch that I wanted. Um, One of my favorite places here in Utah. I don't know if they have it Outside of Utah, but it's called Zupas, and it's a soup salad and um, soup salad and sandwich cafe, and it's so good. And they give you a chocolate dipped strawberry with every meal. It's just the best. So for me, that's like my comfort food. So I think they brought me Zupas several times. They would come and they'd bring me lunch, and then they would take my kids and they'd bring them lunch. And after they'd all eaten, they would take my kids out of the house and they would go do something. They'd go to the museum. They'd go. I think my third baby was born in September. So it was more fall activities. So the pumpkin patch or things like that, fall festival things around town, they would research and find things to do. Plus they live a little bit further away. So they live four hours away from me. So for them to come up, you know, they really had to schedule time and, and I appreciate them taking time mm-hmm. to, to help me, but I had to have their help you know, that one week that they could come up. But instead of coming and just like hanging out at my house and expecting me to entertain them and feeling awkward, you know, like, okay, do I have food to feed these people? Do I, you know, like, how how's this all going to work? They just didn't make me worry about any of that. They brought me food, they brought my kids food, and then they took my kids out of the house and they'd come in the morning, take them to do an activity, come back, bring me lunch, feed the kids lunch, and then go out again in the afternoon to go do something else fun. And that was really helpful for me because I didn't have to feel obligated to entertain anyone. I could just do what I needed to do. If I wanted to nap when the baby napped, I could. If I wanted to take a shower, I could. If I wanted to watch Netflix on my computer while the baby slept or while I nursed, I could. If I wanted to be topless in my bedroom, I could. <laughs> like, There was no obligation. There was nothing that I needed to do. And I knew that my kids were having a blast with, with their grandma and grandpa, which they call them Oma and Opa. But they were having a blast and my kids were cared for and I was taken care of. Um, I didn't really need anything but sleep and eating. So I'm not saying don't show up. I'm just saying don't show up and and expect to be entertained. So it's it's such a different time today than it, it, than it was, you know, like 100 years ago. So the expectations today on women are just crazy. One thing that I have researched and found really intriguing is a hundred years ago, birth was completely different. So granted, like there wasn't modern medicine to relieve the pains of childbirth, but women existed in a community of like support and love and women were together. There was a lot of togetherness. And so when a mother gave birth, the women from her tribe or her village or whatever you want to call it, They came and they did everything for her. So she was expected to just lay in bed for two weeks. She didn't get up unless she used the restroom, which probably even then they had some type of way that she used the bathroom without having to get up. But really, like, she was not expected to do anything but lay in bed, sleep, eat, and nurse the baby. And the women came and they did everything else. They took care of the other children. They took care of mom. They made her meals. They brought her meals to her bed. They fed her. It was just all about helping mom. And, you know, some of this practice was with Chinese women. They had this practice. They would call it sitting the month. So after giving birth, women would sit the month out, meaning that women can't go out. Family cannot come in. The guidelines are set to help women restore their energy, balance their bodies, and protect their babies. So 100 years ago, women stayed in the hospital for at least two weeks after having a baby. And then World War One and World War Two happened, and that changed everything because we weren't able to house a woman that had just given birth for two weeks because we had wounded soldiers. So that turned from two weeks to one week to four days to now our norm of 48 hours, Um, because those beds were needed for wounded soldiers. But the interesting thing is that we never changed back. So after the war, we stayed in this habit. This was the new norm, was that 48 hours was enough. That after a mom gave birth, 48 hours should be enough to go home and live a normal life, go back to, quote, normal. But 100 years ago, they knew better. They knew that wasn't the expectation It's not you go home and you do it all yourself within 48 hours because that leads to trauma and mental illness for moms over the years. You can see that, you know, moms that have had difficult labors and moms that have difficult newborns are a lot more likely to have mental illness and they struggle and they're traumatized from it. So we've completely skipped that healing period. Instead of allowing moms to rest for two weeks, we have kicked them out of the hospital after two to three days and said, okay, go figure it out. and. You know, I I'm not sure what everybody else's situation is, but even in Utah, we don't really have a lot of perks like paternity leave. That's pretty rare to find a company that offers dad time to be home and help too, which I know a lot of other countries give moms even a year or two to recover. They give dad like 2 months of paid leave or even up to a year in some places um because they really value and respect motherhood and bringing raising and bearing children. And I think that's really interesting that here we don't validate that as much. Um, women aren't as, um, respected, I guess. I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right word is, but it's, it's a shame. So, um, also as we have grown in technology, Um, That's made us possible to have communities further apart. So we've lost the importance of villages. You know, even as a 90s kid, um, I still remember the sense of having a village. You know, we stayed out until dark. Our friends' parents had no problem stepping into discipline when we were doing something wrong. Um, You know, parents supported each other in a different way than it is now. I feel like parenting is a very lonely journey right now everyone parents differently. There's, you know, the um, being more strict. And then there's the new age parenting of being more soft and gentle. And then there's something in between. And it's just really hard to figure out what parenting style you're going to use. Um, and I think that's also spread us apart, because we're all doing things differently. And it's hard to find Um, other parents that parent the way you do or that want to support you in that because they don't want to step on your toes because they don't know what method of parenting you're using. Uh, you know, today only 50% of Americans say that they know some of their neighbors. That's crazy. Like they only know, they only know some of their neighbors So our villages are no longer geographical, and this makes it harder to physically support each other. Mom can no longer just lay in bed for two weeks to heal from the physical and mental strain of childbirth. Husbands don't get paid paternity leave. Um, Thank goodness that trend is starting to kind of come back. But, you know, daddy goes back to work after a few days and mom's left entertaining guests after a long night of nursing and soothing a crying baby through the night. And guess who still soothes that baby at 2 a.m., even when she goes back to work eight weeks postpartum? Yep. You guessed it, mom. And you know, I have a wonderful husband. I already talked about that, how my husband's wonderful and and he was there and I hope that you do too. Um, But I want to put a little plug in here about breastfeeding that everyone's always talking about how breast is best. You need to stop saying that. It is not best if you're going to lose your mind because you never sleep because the baby can only have the boob. So sleep deprivation is my number one trigger. It's the number one trigger for other moms too. Um, it's the number one thing that causes moms to spiral into depression. So don't pretend that a mom's mental health is worth, is worth risking for baby to get liquid gold. Like everyone's so concerned about what's best for baby. But what about mom? If she goes into physical or mental exhaustion, how is she supposed to take care of baby? And if she's gone, who's going to step in and provide that liquid gold that's so important for baby? So we need to be more caring towards those moms who bottle feed. Good for her, you know? Good for her. She set a boundary. She's giving herself a break. Maybe she doesn't have to be the only one up in the middle of the night. I hope not. After all, this baby came here due to a team effort, not just her. So we really need to... To applaud moms who are bottle feeding, I'm not saying bottle feed instead of breastfeeding is better. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't have good mental health and breastfeed. I think you can do both. But I am saying there were a lot of times where I pulled out a bottle and I had a lot of judgment with people saying like just crazy things like, oh, you're already bottle feeding or oh, how old is how old is your baby? Like I pull out a bottle and the first thing they ask is, oh, how old is your baby? Eight weeks. Oh, like, oh, you're already bottle feeding at eight weeks. Uh Uh-oh. You don't even know this mom's situation. You have no idea if she has tried to the point of a mental breakdown to breastfeed. You don't know if she just knows her boundaries. You don't know if she can't produce milk. You don't know if there's some other issue. You don't know if maybe the baby's adopted and you know, she isn't the birth mother, so she doesn't have milk to produce. Like you don't know the situation. So stop commenting on how a baby's fed. That's just craziness. Um, So with our villages and with our tribes and in our neighborhoods, um, we really need to support each other. In one of the neighborhoods I lived after having one of my babies, um, hopefully this is vague enough, um, my church and my neighborhood kind of had a rule that you could only bring mom two meals after having birth that's just it's crazy it's ridiculous um it's a terrible expectation to put that on the neighborhood that mom should be back to normal after two days you can only bring two meals for a new mother because there's other people that need to be served which i understand there are other people that need to be served but no mom is back to normal within two days there is no normal after you have a baby your body is changed forever you're changed. Sleep deprivation does a toll on your body. You don't even understand how you react to sleep deprivation until you've experienced it. You become a completely different person. I know, you know there I think my husband and I our biggest fights happened after having a newborn and always in the middle of the night because baby would be crying and my husband, I have an angel husband, he's amazing. He would sleep. Sometimes he would sleep we'd bring a mattress and he'd sleep on the floor of the nursery of the baby's room because he knew for me, sleep deprivation is my number one trigger. And after having three kids, we just kind of knew my patterns that when I don't get sleep, I am triggered and I go down this, I spiral down this depression. And my husband is so supportive and so loving. And so he would sleep on the floor in the kid's room, in the baby's room, and we'd have a little mini fridge and a bottle warmer in there and everything that I had pumped or everything that I had, all the, all the milk that I had saved up would go in that fridge and he would do bottle feedings in the middle of the night. So I would do one middle of the night feeding and he would do the other one. But there were some times where he would be sleeping in our bed and I would say, no, it's okay, like I can do it. Or, you know, the baby was up as, like especially a lot that night. So more than just like one or two feedings a night. The baby was up like all night long, and I had been up for like five hours already in the middle of the night, and the baby's crying, and my husband sleepily says, "I'll go get him, I'll go get him." And you know he wants to be supportive, and genuinely, he really does, but he says things in his sleep that he doesn't necessarily mean or take action on. <laughs> so I'm sure that some of you other moms have experienced this, where your husband's like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, I'm gonna go get the baby." And then you wait a minute. And you wait a minute, and you wait a minute, and they've gone back to sleep. And you become livid. Like, you become a totally different person at that point. You're shaking him awake, like, you told me you were going to help the baby. You told me that I could go to sleep and that you would help the baby. But here you are, back asleep. And I feel like that's when, like, our biggest fights happened was in the middle of the night when he was, like, not really conscious. Plus, my husband's a really deep sleeper, too. So, you know, a lot of times he'll wake up in the middle of the night because he hears the baby And he'll just go right back to sleep. Even though he says he's getting up to help the baby, he's not. He went back to sleep. (laughs) So that can be really frustrating. Anyway, so when you're trying to figure out how you're going to survive on this limited amount of sleep, uh, it can make you a totally different person. And then you add in the stress of trying to figure out how you're going to function like this when you go back to work or when your husband goes back to work or when you lose all of your help and support. So we all understand that the last thing a new mom wants to do is entertain people. Um, but do you think that sometimes we selfishly come to see the baby just because we want to see the baby? Because we like newborn snuggles and newborn head smell? I think that subconsciously a lot of us come to, quote, support a mom. But really we're just there because we want to be around the baby, and we miss those snuggles. And that's not bad, but it's also not the appropriate time. For one, this isn't about you. It's really not. No matter if you are a new aunt or a first-time grandma or whatever you are, whatever your relation is, maybe you're a godmother, whatever your relation is to this baby, it does not matter. Your relation to the baby does not trump a mom's mental health. It doesn't. And it doesn't matter who you are. You're never as important as the mom is. All right. So now let's talk about what things a new mom does need. I think that sometimes, or at least with me, um, <laughs> my emotions are such are in such a fog after having a baby. I'm just so overwhelmed. And, um, sometimes when you talk to a new mom, you need to talk to her in the way that you would like diffuse a toddler tantrum. So like, I'm not saying talk down to her, but I'm saying like, get down on her level because she's overwhelmed. So this is a time where asking, how can I help is not helpful. It's not helpful at all because she doesn't know how you can help. She's overwhelmed. She's tired. She doesn't know. So instead of asking how can I help, instead offer like an option close. So, hey, would you rather me come over and bring lunch and we can sit and talk? Or would you rather me drop off dinner and take your kids so that you could have a nap? You can say like, tell me straight up, be honest. Do you need a nap or do you need social time? Because sometimes a mom just needs to sit and talk to somebody And sometimes she needs a nap. So you just have to ask directly what she needs, because she might feel guilty asking for what she needs also. um, And she may not even know what she needs. So you can also do this whenever you're talking about food. One thing I like to do is instead of just bringing over a meal, um, I like to ask, hey, do you prefer this or that? Now, whenever I ask what they want, I always make sure that it's in a boundary I'm comfortable with. So I'm going to give an option close with something that I feel comfortable making. I'm not going to say, hey, do you want ratatouille? Because I don't even know how to make that. I'm going to say, hey, would you rather have lasagna or roast? I'm going to choose something that I know I can cook and something that I feel tastes good. And maybe something that's a little bit different compared to what she's been getting. She's probably been getting a lot of pastas and soups from other people because those are easy um, Meals to have leftovers and they feed a lot of people. And so maybe just ask her straight up, you know, what sounds good to you? I'm going to make you dinner. Don't ask, can I bring you dinner? Because anytime you do that, you say, hey, I would love to bring you dinner. When can I bring you dinner? She's not going to answer that. She feels guilty. She feels weird saying, um, yeah, tonight would be great. Or how about Saturday? Like, no, moms aren't going to do that. So you have to say, hey, I'm going to bring you dinner. Do you want this or do you want that? Is Wednesday better or is Friday better? All right. So none of those days work. That's fine. I'll bring it on Monday. But you have to be direct with a new mom because they're overwhelmed and they're tired and they're not going to ask for help. Some other things that I find are helpful are just asking if she needs, like if you can pick up anything from the store for her. Hey, I'm at the grocery store right now. What are you out of? What can I grab you while I'm out? It doesn't mean that you're going to do all of her grocery shopping for her or that she expects you to spend hundreds of dollars doing it, um, but maybe say, hey, I'm at Costco. I know it's going to be a while before you can get here again. What is one thing I can grab for you while I'm here? Things like that can make a huge difference. Um, now, also, there's there's other interesting things that you can do. Um, like, this is funny, but for me, I loved to wear d pins after I had a baby. So like those those adult diapers, they were amazing. They were so helpful. They're much better than the big chunky pad and the mesh panties that they give you at the hospital. It, that's terrible. The depends actually hold you in really well. They hold everything together and it's much more comfortable to wear. And so um you know I would even ask, you know, like depending on your relationship with that person, you could even say, hey, do you need any d Like I'm at the store. I'll grab some for you. Like if you're friends with that person and you have a close relationship, they they know you have their back. And sometimes you just need to get deep like that and say, hey, I'll buy you adult underwear if that's what you need. If you need an adult diaper, I gotcha. Um, some other things that I recommend are getting a nursing caddy. So if she doesn't already have one, just go to the dollar store, get one of those shower caddies and you can use it to put stuff like d diapers for the baby, diaper cream for the baby, nipple cream for her all of her stuff that she needs to use when she goes to the bathroom, like her little squirt bottle, but also um, protein bars, protein drinks, those pre-made protein drinks, because nursing, she gets really, really hungry when nursing. So you're going to want to make sure that she has things that will keep her fed and, you know, always keep her stocked up on those things. So whenever you show up, maybe show up with a four pack of those. I think it's Premier Protein, the 30 grams of protein in a pre-made Um, thing and they don't have to be refrigerated or anything. Just, you know, bring things like that, bananas, protein bars, things that have substance, but that don't go bad very fast that she can keep at room temperature in her, in her little caddy. Um, Something else you could offer is alone time with the baby. Maybe she wants to just be alone with baby. Maybe you can take her older kids and take them out for the day and give her time to just be alone with the baby. Or maybe her baby is really colicky and she doesn't want to be with the baby one minute longer. (laughs) So uh, maybe you can come and hold the baby while she takes a shower and all of that's going to come through open communication. You just have to be open and ask her. You have to pry a little bit because new moms don't know what they need. So anyway, I hope that that helps you. I hope that we can have better relationships with new moms, that new moms can feel a little less Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. And know that we're here to support them, and um, I think that that just needs to be made made known through your actions and through your words. A lot of people say that you know they want to do whatever's best for you. They want they're just here to help you, but their actions are not showing that because their actions are that they're just sitting on your couch holding your baby all day, and you feel awkward because dishes need to be done and laundry needs to be done and you're tired but this person's sitting on your couch and you feel like you need to entertain them and you kind of feel weird like can i have my baby back like can i hold my baby like it's, it's weird it's weird so just don't be that person if you're gonna show up if you're gonna help a new mom have a purpose to be there be helpful serve her and i think things will go a lot better for your relationship